0: The Great Controversy, Chapter 39, The Time of Trouble At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was, since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book, Daniel 12, verse 1. When the third angel's message closes, mercy no longer pleads for the guilty inhabitants of the earth. The people of God have accomplished their work. They have received the latter rain, the refreshing from the presence of the Lord, and they are prepared for the trying hour before them. Angels are hastening to and fro in heaven. An angel returning from the earth announces that his work is done. The final test has been brought upon the world, and all who have proved themselves loyal to the divine precepts have received the seal of the living God. Then Jesus ceases his intercession in the sanctuary above. He lifts his hands and with a loud voice says, It is done. And all the angelic hosts lay off their crowns as he makes the solemn announcement. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. Revelation 22 verse 11 Every case has been decided for life or death. Christ has made the atonement for his people and blotted out their sins. The number of his subjects is made up. THE KINGDOM AND DOMINION AND THE GREATNESS OF THE KINGDOM UNDER THE WHOLE HEAVEN IS ABOUT TO BE GIVEN TO THE HEIRS OF SALVATION, AND JESUS IS TO REIGN AS KING OF KINGS AND LORD OF LORDS. WHEN HE LEAVES THE SANCTUARY, DARKNESS COVERS THE INHABITANTS OF THE EARTH. IN THAT FEARFUL TIME, THE RIGHTEOUS MUST LIVE IN THE sight OF A HOLY GOD WITHOUT AN INTERCESSOR. The restraint which has been upon the wicked is removed, and Satan has entire control of the finally impenitent. God's long-suffering has ended. The world has rejected His mercy, despised His love, and trampled upon His law. The wicked have passed the boundary of their probation. The Spirit of God, persistently resisted, has been at last withdrawn. Unsheltered by divine grace, they have no protection from the wicked one satan will then plunge the inhabitants of the earth into one great final trouble as the angels of god cease to hold in check the fierce winds of human passion all the elements of strife will be let loose the whole world will be involved in ruin more terrible that which came upon jerusalem of old a single angel destroyed all the firstborn of the egyptians and filled the land with mourning when David offended against God by numbering the people, one angel caused that terrible destruction by which his sin has punished, was punished. The same destructive power exercised by holy angels, when God commands, will be exercised by evil angels when He permits. There are forces now ready and only waiting the divine permission to spread desolation everywhere those who honor the law of god have been accused of bringing judgments upon the world and they will be regarded as the cause of the fearful convulsions convulsions of nature and the strife and bloodshed among men that are filling the earth with woe the power attending the last warning has enraged the wicked Their anger is kindled against all who have received the message, and Satan will excite to still greater intensity the spirit of hatred and persecution. When God's presence was finally withdrawn from the Jewish nation, priests and peoples knew it not. Though under the control of Satan and swayed by the most horrible and malignant passions, they still regarded themselves as the chosen of God. The ministration in the temple continued, sacrifices were offered upon its polluted altars, and daily the divine blessing was invoked upon a people guilty of the blood of God's dear Son and seeking to slay His ministers and apostles. So when the irrevocable decision of the sanctuary has been pronounced and the destiny of the world has been forever fixed, the inhabitants of the earth will know it not the forms of religion will be continued by a people from whom the spirit of god has been finally withdrawn and the satanic zeal with which the prince of evil will inspire them for the accomplishment of his malignant designs will bear the semblance of zeal for god as the sabbath has become the special point of controversy throughout christendom and religious and secular authorities have combined to enforce the observance of the sunday the persistent refusal of a small minority to yield to the popular demand will make them objects of universal execration it will be urged that the few who stand in opposition to an institution of the church and a law of the state ought not to be tolerated that it is better for them to suffer than for whole nations to be thrown into confusion and lawlessness. The same argument many centuries ago was brought against Christ by the rulers of the people. It is expedient for us, said the wily Caiaphas, that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. John 11 verse 50. This argument will appear conclusive, and a decree will finally be issued against those who hallow the sabbath of the fourth commandment, denouncing them as deserving of the severest punishment, and giving the people liberty, after a certain time, to put them to death. Romanism and the old world and apostate Protestantism in the new world will pursue a similar course toward those who honor all the divine precepts. The people of God will be plunged into those scenes of affliction, and distress described by the prophet as the time of Jacob's trouble. Thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear and not of peace. All faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that great day for that alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, it is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Jeremiah thirty verses five through seven. Jacob's night of anguish when he rests sold in prayer for deliverance from the hand of Esau, Genesis 32, verses 24 to 30, represents the experience of God's people in the time of trouble. Because of the deception practiced to secure his father's blessing intended for Esau, Jacob had fled for his life alarmed by his brother's deadly threats. After remaining for many years in exile, he had set out at God's command to return with his wives and children, his flocks and herds, to his native country. On reaching the borders of the land, he was filled with terror by the tidings of Esau's approach at the head of a band of warriors, doubtless bent upon revenge. Jacob's company, unarmed and defenseless, seemed about to fall helpless victims of violence and slaughter and to the burden of anxiety and fear was added the crushing weight of self-reproach for it was his own sin that had brought this brought this danger his only hope was in the mercy of god his only defence must be prayer yet he leaves nothing undone on his own part to atone for the wrong to his brother and to avert the threatened danger So should the followers of Christ, as they approach the time of trouble, make every exertion to place themselves in a proper light before the people, to disarm prejudice, and to avert the danger which threatens liberty of conscience. Having sent his family away that they may not witness his distress, Jacob remains alone to intercede with God. He confesses his sin and gratefully acknowledges the mercy of God toward him, while with deep humiliation... He pleads the covenant made with his fathers and the promises to himself in the night vision at Bethel and in the land of his exile. The crisis in his life has come. Everything is at stake. In the darkness and solitude he continues praying and humbling himself before God. Suddenly a hand is laid upon his shoulder. He thinks that an enemy is seeking his life, and with all the energy of despair he wrestles with his assailant. As the day begins to break, the stranger puts forth his superhuman power. At his touch, the strong man seems paralyzed, and he falls a helpless, weeping suppliant upon the neck of his mysterious antagonist. Jacob knows now that it is the angel of the covenant with whom he has been in conflict. Though disabled and suffering, the keenest pain, he does not relinquish his purpose. Long has he endured perplexity, remorse, and trouble for his sin, now he must have the assurance that it is pardoned. The divine visitant seems about to depart, but Jacob clings to him, pleading for a blessing. The angel urges, Let me go, for the day breaketh. But the patriarch exclaims, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. What confidence, what firmness and perseverance are here displayed? Had this been a boastful, presumptuous claim, Jacob would have been instantly destroyed, but his was the assurance of one who confesses his weakness and unworthiness, yet trusts the mercy of a covenant-keeping God. He had power over the angel and prevailed, Hosea 12, verse 4. Through through humiliation, repentance, and self-surrender, this sinful, erring mortal prevailed the majesty of heaven. He had fastened his trembling grasp upon the promises of God, and the heart of infinite love could not turn away the sinner's plea. As an evidence of his triumph and an encouragement to others to imitate his example, his name was changed from one which was a reminder of his sin to one that commemorated his victory. And the fact that Jacob had prevailed with God was an assurance that he would prevail with men. He no longer feared to encounter his brother's anger, for the Lord was his defense. Satan had accused Jacob before the angels of God, claiming the right to destroy him because of his sin. He had moved upon Esau to march against him, and during the patriarch's long night of wrestling, Satan endeavored to force upon him a sense of his guilt in order to discourage him and break his hold upon God. Jacob was driven almost to despair but he knew that without help from heaven he must perish. He had sincerely repented of his great sin, and he appealed to the mercy of God. He would not be turned from his purpose, but held fast the angel and urged his petition with earnest, agonizing cries until he prevailed. As Satan influenced Esau to march against Jacob, so he will stir up the wicked to destroy God's people in the time of trouble and as he accused jacob he will urge his accusations against the people of god he numbers the world as his subjects but the little company who keep the commandments of god are resisting his supremacy if he could blot them from the earth his triumph would be complete he sees that only angels are guarding that holy angels are guarding them and he infers that their sins have been pardoned but he does not know that their cases have been decided in the sanctuary above he has an accurate knowledge of the sins which he has tempted them to commit and he presents these people and he presents these before God in the most exaggerated light representing this people to be just as deserving as himself of exclusion from the favor of God He declares that the Lord cannot in justice forgive their sins and yet destroy him and his angels. He claims them as his prey and demands that they be given into his hands to destroy. As Satan accuses the people of God on account of their sins, the Lord permits him to try them to the uttermost. Their confidence in God, their faith and firmness will be severely tested. As they review the past, their hopes sink, for in their whole lives they can see little good. They are fully conscious of their weakness and unworthiness. Satan endeavors to terrify them with the thought that their cases are hopeless, that the stain of their defilement will never be washed away. He hopes so to destroy their faith that they will yield to his temptations and turn from their allegiance to God. Though God's people will be surrounded by enemies who are bent upon their destruction, yet the anguish which they suffer is not a dread of persecution for the truth's sake. They fear that every sin has not been repented of, and that through some fault in themselves they will fail to realize the fulfillment of the Lord's promise, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world. Revelation 3 verse 10. If they could have the assurance of pardon, they would not shrink from torture or death, but should they prove unworthy or, and lose their lives because of their own defects of character, then God's holy name would be reproached. On every hand they hear the plottings of treason and see the active working of rebellion. And there is aroused within them an intense desire, an earnest yearning of soul, that this great apostasy may be terminated and the wickedness of the wicked may come to an end. But while they plead with God to stay the work of rebellion, it is with a keen sense of self-reproach that they themselves have no more power to resist and urge back the mighty tide of evil. They feel that, they ha- that had they always employed all their ability in the service of Christ— going forward from strength to strength satan's forces would have less power to prevail against them they afflict their souls before god pointing to their pat- their past repentance of their many sins and pleading the savior's promise let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace with me isaiah 27 verse 5 their faith does not fail because their prayers are not immediately answered Though suffering the keenest anxiety, terror, and distress, they do not cease their intercessions. They lay hold of the strength of God, as Jacob laid hold of the angel, and the language of their souls is, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Had not Jacob previously repented of his sin in obtaining the birthright by fraud, God would not have heard his prayer and mercifully preserved his life. So in the time of trouble, If the people of God had unconfessed sins to appear before them, while tortured with fear and anguish, they would be overwhelmed. Despair would cut off their faith, and they could not have confidence to to plead with God for deliverance. But while they have a deep sense of their unworthiness, they have no concealed wrongs to reveal. Their sins have gone beforehand to judgment, and have been blotted out, and they cannot bring them to remembrance. Satan leads many to believe that God will overlook their unfaithfulness in the minor affairs of life. But the Lord shows in his dealings with Jacob that he will in no wise sanction or tolerate evil. All who endeavor to excuse or conceal their sins and permit them to remain upon the books of heaven, unconfessed and unforgiven, will be overcome by Satan. The more exalted their profession and the more honorable the position which they hold, the more grievous is their course in the sight of God and the more sure the triumph of their great adversary. Those who delay a preparation for the day of God cannot obtain it in the time of trouble or at any subsequent time. The case of all such is hopeless. Those professed Christians who come up to that last fearful conflict unprepared will and of despair confess their sins in words of burning anguish, while the wicked exult over their distress. These confessions are of the same character as was that of Esau or of Judas. Those who make them lament the result of transgression, but not its guilt. They feel no true contrition, no abhorrence of evil. They acknowledge their sin through fear of punishment, but like Pharaoh of old they would return to their defiance of heaven, should the judgments be removed." Jacob's history is also an assurance that God will not cast off those who have been deceived and tempted and betrayed into sin, but who have returned unto him with true repentance. While Satan seeks to destroy this class, God will send his angels to comfort and protect them in the time of peril. The assaults of Satan are fierce and determined. His delusions are terrible, but the Lord's eye is upon his people, and his ear listens to their cries. Their affliction is great. The flames of the furnace seem about to consume them, but the refiner will bring them forth as gold tried in the fire. God's love for His children during the period of their severest trial is as strong and tender as in the days of their sunniest prosperity, but it is needful for them to be placed in the furnace of fire. Their earthliness must be consumed, that the image of Christ may be perfectly reflected." The season of distress and anguish before us will require a faith that can endure weariness, delay, and hunger, a faith that will not faint, though severely tried. The period of probation is granted to all to prepare for that time. Jacob prevailed because he was persevering and determined. His victory is an evidence of the power of importunate prayer. All who will lay hold of God's promises as he did, and be as earnest and persevering as he was, will succeed as he succeeded. Those who are unwilling to deny self, to agonize before God, to pray long and earnestly for his blessing, will not obtain it. Wrestling with God, how few know what it is! How few have ever had their souls drawn out after God with intensity of desire until every power is on the stretch! When waves of despair, which no language can express, sweep over the suppliant, how few cling with unyielding faith to the promises of God. Those who exercise but little faith now are in the greatest danger of falling falling under the power of satanic delusions and the decree to compel the conscience, and even if they endure the test, they will be plunged into deeper distress and anguish in the time of trouble." because they have never made it a habit to trust in God. The lessons of faith which they have neglected they will be forced to learn under a terrible pressure of discouragement. We should now acquaint ourselves with God by proving His promises. Angels record every prayer that is earnest and sincere. We should rather dispense with selfish gratifications than neglect communion with God. The deepest poverty, the greatest. The greatest self-denial with his approval is better than riches, honors, ease, and friendship without it. We must take time to pray. If we allow our minds to be absorbed by worldly interests, the Lord may give us time by removing from us our idols of gold, of houses, or of fertile lands. The young would not be seduced into sin if they would refuse to enter any path save that upon which they could ask God's blessing. If the messengers who bear the last solemn warning to the world would pray for the blessing of God, not in a cold, listless, lazy manner, but fervently and in faith as did Jacob, they would find many places where they could say, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Genesis 32, verse 30. They would be accounted of heaven as princes, having power to prevail with God and with men. The time of trouble such as never was is soon to open upon us, and we shall need an experience which we do not now possess and which many are too indolent to obtain. It is often the case that trouble is greater in anticipation than in reality, but this is not true of the crisis before us. The most vivid presentation cannot reach the magnitude of the ordeal. In that time of trial, every soul must stand for himself before God, Though no while Daniel and Job were in the land as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Ezekiel 14 verse 20 Now while our great high priest is making the atonement for us, we should seek to become perfect in Christ. Not even by a thought could our Savior be brought to yield to the power of temptation, Satan finds in human hearts some point where he can gain a foothold. Some sinful desire is cherished by means of which his temptations assert their power. But Christ declared of himself, The prince of this world cometh and hath nothing on me. John 14 verse 30 Satan could not find in the Son of God what would enable him to gain the victory. He had kept his Father's commandments, and there was no sin in him that Satan could use to his advantage. This is the condition in which those must be found who shall stand in the time of trouble. It is in this life that we are to separate sin from us. Through faith in the atoning blood of Christ, our precious Savior invites us to join ourselves to him, to unite our weakness to his strength, our ignorance to his wisdom, our unworthiness to his merits. God's providence is the school in which we are to learn the meekness and lowliness of Jesus. The Lord is ever setting before us not the way we should choose, which seems easier and pleasanter to us, but the true aims of life. It rests with us to cooperate with the agencies which heaven employs in the work of conforming our characters to the divine model. None can neglect or defer this work at the most fearful peril to their souls the apostle john in vision heard a loud voice in heaven exclaiming woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time revelation 12 verse 12 fearful are the scenes which call forth this exclamation from the heavenly voice the wrath of Satan increases as his time grows short, and his work of deceit and destruction will reach its culmination in the time of trouble. Fearful sights of a supernatural character will soon be revealed in the heavens, in token of the power of miracle working demons. The spirits of devils will go forth to the kings of the earth and to the whole world to fasten them in deception and urge them. TO UNITE WITH SATAN IN THE LAST STRUGGLE AGAINST THE GOVERNMENT OF HEAVEN. BY THESE AGENCIES, RULERS AND SUBJECTS WILL BE ALIKE DECEIVED. PERSONS WILL ARISE PRETENDING TO BE CHRIST HIMSELF AND CLAIMING THE TITLE AND WORSHIP WHICH BELONG TO THE WORLD'S REDEEMER. THEY WILL PERFORM WONDERFUL MIRACLES OF HEALING AND WILL PROFESS TO HAVE REVELATIONS FROM HEAVEN CONTRADICTING THE TESTIMONY OF THE SCRIPTURES as the crowning act in the great drama of deception satan himself will personate christ the church has long professed to look to the saviour's advent as the consummation of her hopes how the great deceiver will make it appear that christ has come in different parts of the earth satan will manifest himself among men as a majestic being of dazzling brightness resembling the description of the son of god given by john in the revelation Revelation 1, verses 13 through 15. The glory that surrounds him is unsurpassed by anything that mortal eyes have yet beheld. The shout of triumph rings rings out upon the air. Christ has come! Christ has come! The people prostrate themselves in adoration before him while he lifts up his hands and pronounces a blessing upon them as Christ blessed his disciples when he was upon the earth. His voice is soft and subdued, yet full of melody. In gentle, compassionate tones, he presents some of the great, great, same gracious heavenly truths which the Savior uttered. He heals the diseases of the people, and then in his assumed character of Christ, he claims to have changed the Sabbath to Sunday, and commands all to hallow the day which he has blessed. He declares that those who persist in keeping holy the seventh day are blaspheming His name by refusing to listen to His angels sent to them with light and truth. This is the strong, almost overmastering delusion. Like the Samaritans who were deceived by Simon Magus, the multitudes from the least to the greatest give heed to the sorceries, saying, This is the great power of God, Acts 8, verse 10. But the people of God will not be misled. The teachings of this false Christ are not in accordance with the Scriptures. His blessing is pronounced upon the worshippers of the beast, and his image, the very class upon whom the Bible declares that God's unmingled wrath shall be poured out. And furthermore, Satan is not permitted to counterfeit the manner of Christ's advent. The Savior has warned His people against deception upon this point, and has clearly foretold the manner of His second coming. There shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, in so much that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west so shall also the coming of the son of man be matthew 24 verses 24 through 27 and verse 31 chapter 25 verse 31 revelation 1 verse 7 and 1st thessalonians 4 verse 16 and 17 this coming there is no possibility of counterfeiting it will be universally known, witnessed by the whole world. Only those who have been diligent students of the scriptures and who have received the love of the truth will be shielded, the love of the truth will be shielded from the powerful delusion that takes the whole the world captive. By the Bible testimony, this will detect the deceiver in his disguise. To all the, to all the testing time will come, but the sifting of temptation, the genuine Christian... By the sifting of temptation, the genuine Christian will be revealed. Are the people of God now so firmly established upon his word that they would not yield to the evidence of their li- of their senses? Would they in such a crisis cling to the Bible and the Bible only? Satan will, if possible, prevent them from obtaining a preparation to stand in that day. He will so arrange affairs as to hedge up their way, entangle them with earthly treasures, cause them to carry a heavy wearisome burden that their hearts may be overcharged with the cares of this life, and the day of trial may come upon them as a thief. As the decree issued by the various rulers of Christendom against commandment keepers shall withdraw the protection of government and abandon them to those who desire their destruction, the people of God will flee from the cities and the villages and associate themselves together in companies, dwelling in the most desolate and solitary places. Many will find refuge in the strongholds of the mountains, like the Christians of the the Piedmont Valleys. They will make the high places of the earth their sanctuaries, and will thank God for the munitions of rocks. Isaiah 33, verse 16. But many of all nations and of all classes, high and low, rich and poor, black and white, will be cast into the most unjust and cruel bondage. The beloved of God pass weary days, bound in chains, shut in by prison bars, sentenced to be slain, some apparently left to die of starvation in dark and loathsome dungeons. No human ear is open to, th- to hear their moans, no human hand is ready to lend them help. Will the Lord forget His people in this trying hour? Did he forget faithful Noah when judgments were visited upon the antediluvian world? Did he forget Lot when the fire came down from heaven to consume the cities of the plain? Did he forget Joseph surrounded by idolaters in Egypt? Did he forget Elijah when the oath of Jezebel threatened him with the faith of the prophets of Baal? Did he forget Jeremiah in the dark and dismal pit of his prison's house? Did he forget the three worthies in the fire furnace, or Daniel in the den of lions? Zion said, "The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me." Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not. Uh, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Isaiah 49, 14-16 The Lord of hosts has said, He that toucheth you, toucheth the apple of his eye. Zechariah 2, verse 8 Though enemies may thrust them into prison, yet dungeon walls cannot cut off the communication between their souls and Christ. One who sees their every weakness, who is acquainted with every trial, is above all earthly powers, and angels will come to them in lonely cells, bringing light and peace from heaven. The prison will be as a palace, for the rich in faith dwell dwell there, and the gloomy walls will be lighted up with heavenly light, as when Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises at midnight in the Philippian dungeon." God's judgments will be visited upon those who are seeking to oppress and destroy His people. His long forbearance with the wicked emboldens men in transgression, but their punishment is nonetheless certain and terrible because it is long delayed. The Lord shall rise up as Mount Perizim, he shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. Isaiah 28 Verse twenty-one. To our merciful God, the act of punishment is a strange act, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Ezekiel thirty-three, verse eleven. The Lord is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Yet he will no, lo, yet he will, uh, no means clear. Uh, yet he will by no means clear the guilty the lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked exodus thirty four verses six and seven and nahum one verse three by terrible things and righteousness he will vindicate the authority of his downtrodden law The severity of the retribution awaiting the transgressor transgressor may be judged by the Lord's reluctance to execute justice. The nation with which he bears long and which he will not smite until it has filled up the measure of its iniquity in God's account will finally drink the cup of the wrath and mixed with mercy. When Christ ceases His intercession in the sanctuary, the unmingled wrath threatened against those who worship the beast and His image receive His mark. And receive His mark. Revelation 14, verses 9 and 10 will be poured out. The plagues upon Egypt when God was about to deliver Israel were similar in character to those more terrible and extensive judgments which are to fall upon the world just before the final deliverance of God's people. Says the Revelator, Describing those terrific scourges, there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. The sea became as the blood of dead men, and every living soul died in the sea, and the rivers and fountains of waters became blood. Terrible as these inflictions are God's justice, Uh, terrible as these inflictions are, God's justice stands fully vindicated. The angel of God declares, Thou art righteous, O God, because thou hast judged us, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. Revelation 16, verses 2-6 By condemning the people of God to death, they have as fully incurred the guilt of their blood as if it had been shed by their hands. In like manner, Christ declared the Jews, of his time guilty of the blood of all the blood of holy men which had been shed since the days of abel for they possessed the same spirit and were seeking to do this, the same work with these murderers of the prophets in the plague that follows power is given to the sun to scorch men with fire and men were scorched with great heat verses eight and nine the prophets thus describe the condition of the earth at this fearful time The land mourneth, because the harvest of the field is perished. All the trees of the field are withered, because joy is withered away from the sons of men. The seed is rotten under their clods. The garners are laid desolate. How do the beasts groan? The herds of cattle are perplexed, because they have no pasture. The rivers of water are dried up, and the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness." The songs of the temple shall be howlings in the day. In that day, saith the Lord God, there shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. Joel one verses ten to twelve, and verses seventeen through twenty, and Amos eight verse three. These plagues are not universal, or the inhabitants of the earth would be wholly cut off. Yet they will be the most awful scourges that have ever been known to mortals. All the judgments upon men prior to the close of probation have been mingled with mercy. The pleading the pleading blood of Christ has shielded the sinner from receiving the full measure of his guilt. But in the final judgment, wrath is poured out unmixed with mercy. In that day, multitudes will desire the shelter of God's mercy, which they have so long despised. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread or thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north, even to the east, they shall run to and fro to seek the the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Amos 8, verses 11 and 12 the people of god will not be free from suffering but while persecuted and distressed while they endure privation and suffer for want of food they will not be left to perish that god cared for elijah will not pass by one of his self-sacrificing children who he who numbers the hairs of their head will care for them and in the time of famine they shall be satisfied while the wicked are dying from hunger and pestilence, angels will shield the righteous and supply their wants. To him that walketh righteously, is the promise bread. Is the promise bread shall be given him, his waters shall be sure. When the poor and needy seek water and there is none, and their tongue f- faileth for thirst, I the Lord will hear them. I the God of Israel will not forsake them isaiah 33 verses 15 and 16 and chapter 41 verse 17 although the fig tree shall not blossom neither shall fruit be in the vines the labor of the oil of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat the flocks shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls yet Shall they that fear him rejoice in the Lord, and joy in the God of their salvation? Habakkuk 3, verses 17 and 18. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. But it shall not come nigh thee, only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil before thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Psalm one hundred twenty one verses five through seven and chapter ninety one verses three to ten yet to human sight it will appear that the people of god must soon seal their testimony with their blood as did the martyrs before them they themselves begin to fear that the lord has left them to fall upon the hand of the enemies it is a time of fearful agony day and night they cried unto god for deliverance the wicked exult and the jeering cry is heard where now is your faith why does not god deliver you out of our hands if you are indeed his people. But the waiting ones remember Jesus dying upon Calvary's cross and the chief priests and rulers shouting in mockery. He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him, Matthew 27, verse 42. Like Jacob, all are wrestling with God. Their countenances express their internal struggle, Paleness sits upon every face, yet they cease not their earnest intercession. Could men see with heavenly wisdom they would behold companies of angels that excel in strength stationed about those who have kept the word of Christ patience? With sympathizing tenderness, angels have witnessed their distress and have heard their prayers. They are waiting the word of their commander to snatch them from their peril. But they must wait yet a little longer. The people of God must drink of the cup of the baptism uh, drink of the cup and be baptized with the baptism. The very delay so painful to them is the great answer to their petitions as they endeavour to wait trustingly for the Lord to work w- to work. They are led to exercise faith, hope, and patience which have been too little exercised during their religious experience. Yet for the elect's sake the time of trouble will be shortened. Shall not God avenge his own elect and cry day and night unto him? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Luke 18, verses 7 and 8. The end will come quickly than men expect. The wheat will be gathered and bound in sheaves for the garner of God. The tares will be bound as fagots for the fires of destruction. The heavenly sentinels, faithful to their trust, continue their watch. Though a, ge- a general decree has fixed the time when commandment keepers may be put to death, their enemies will in some cases anticipate the decree, and before the time specified many... Uh, and before the time specified will endeavor to take their lives, but none can pass the mighty guardians stationed about every faithful soul. Some are assailed in their flight from the cities and villages, but the swords raised against them break and fall powerless as a straw. Others are defended by angels in the form of men of war." in all ages god has wrought through holy angels for the succor and deliverance of his people celestial beings have taken an active part in the affairs of men they have appeared clothed in garments that shone as the lightning they have come as men in the garb of wayfarers angels have appeared in human form to man of god they have rested as if weary under the oaks at noon they have accepted the hospitalities of human homes they have acted as guides to benighted travellers they have with their own hands kindled the fires at the altar they have opened prison doors and set free the servants of the lord clothed with the panoply of heaven they came to roll away the stone from the saviour's tomb In the form of man, angels are often in the assemblies of the righteous and they visit the assemblies of the wicked as they went to Sodom to make record of their deeds, to determine whether they have passed the boundary of God's forbearance. The Lord delights in mercy and for the sake of a few who really serve Him. He restrains calamities and prolongs the tranquility of multitudes. Little do sinners against God Realize that they are indebted for their own lives to these faithful few, whom they delight to ridicule and oppress. Though the rulers of this world know it not, yet often in their councils, angels have been spokesmen. Human eyes have looked upon them. Human ears have listened to their appeals. Human lips have opposed their suggestions and ridiculed their councils. Human hands have met them with insult and abuse in the council hall and the court of justice, these heavenly messengers have shown an intimate acquaintance with human history. They have proved themselves better able to plead the cause of the oppressed than were his, their ablest and most eloquent defenders. They have defeated purposes and arrested evils that would have greatly retarded the work of God and would have caused great suffering to his people." In the hour of peril and distress, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Psalm 34, verse 7. With earnest longing, God's people awaits the tokens of their coming king. As the watchmen are accosted, what of the night? The answer is given unfalteringly. The morning cometh and also the night. Isaiah 21, verses 11 and 12. Light is gleaming upon the clouds above, the mountain tops. Soon there will be a revealing of his glory. The sun of righteousness is about to shine forth. The morning and the night are both at hand. The opening of endless way to the righteous, the settling down of eternal night to the wicked. As the wrestling ones urge their petitions before God, the veil separating them from the unseen seems almost withdrawn. The heavens glow with the dawning of eternal day, and like the melody of angel songs, the words fall upon the ear. Stand fast to your allegiance, help is coming. Christ, the almighty victor, holds out to his weary soldiers a crown of immortal glory, and his voice comes from the gates ajar. Law, I am with you, be not afraid. I am acquainted with all your sorrows, I have borne your griefs. You are not warring against untried enemies. I have fought the battle in your behalf, and in my name you are more than conquerors. The precious Savior will send help just when we need it. The way to heaven is consecrated by His footprints. Every thorn that wounds our feet has wounded His. Every cross that we are called to bear, He has borne before us. The Lord permits conflicts to prepare the soul for peace. The time of trouble is a fearful ordeal for God's people, but it is the time for every true believer to look up and for faith, and by faith, he may see the bow of promise encircling him. The redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing, singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I even I Am he that comforteth you, who art thou, that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die, and of the Son of Man, which shall be made as grass, and forgettest the Lord thy Maker, and hast feared continually every day, because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy? And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hasteneth, that he may be loosed, and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. But I am the Lord thy God that divided the sea, whose waves roared, the Lord of hosts is His name, and I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand Isaiah fifty one verses eleven through sixteen therefore hear now this: thou afflicted and drunken, but not with wine, thus saith the Lord, thus saith thy Lord the Lord and thy God that pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again. But I will put it into the hand of them that afflict thee, which have said to thy soul, Bow down, that we may go over, and thou hast laid thy body as the ground, and as the street to them that went over. The eye of God, looking down the ages, has fixed upon the crisis which his people are to meet. When earthly powers shall be arrayed against them, like the captive exile, they will be in fear of death by starvation or by violence. But the Holy One who divided the Red Sea before Israel will manifest his mighty power and turn their captivity. They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Malachi 3, verse 17. If the blood of Christ's faithful witnesses were shed at this time, it would not, like the blood of the martyrs, be a seed sown to yield a harvest for God. Their fidelity would not be a testimony to convince others of the truth, for the obdurate heart has beaten back, the waves of mercy, until they return to more. If the righteous were now left to fall a prey to their enemies, it would be a triumph for the prince of darkness, says the psalmist. In the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Psalm 27 verse 5 Christ has spoken, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For, behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Isaiah 26, verses 20 and 21. Glorious will be the deliverance of those who have patiently waited for his coming, and whose names are written in the book of life.